Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're in the, towards the end actually, of a series that we've titled Deck the Halls because we know that at Christmas time we spend a lot of time and effort and energy dressing up our houses and sometimes we dress up our behaviours as well only for January to roll around and we pack everything back away in its boxes and sometimes some of the behaviours that we've brought out on show for Christmas also go back into their box. And so we've been talking about some of the behaviours, some of the things, some of the patterns in our lives that God's asking us to put up this year over Christmas, but then keep up all through 2019. You see, so far we've had a look at goodwill. We've spoken about hope. We've spoken about generosity. Last week, Kath spoke about joy. And who would agree that having more of those things in our lives over 2019 would be a great thing to continue on? Themes that we see over Christmas but can continue on throughout the year. And today, part four, part five, part five, we are going to be looking at hospitality. You see, hospitality is one of those things that just naturally comes about over Christmas. We open our homes, we have family over, we have friends over, we go out to more parties in December than nearly any other time of the year. Work functions, other works functions that we try and sneak in on. (laughs) Hospitality. I don't know about you, but I've actually gone to the shops over the last couple of weeks. I've received more greetings from strangers in the last couple of weeks than at any other time of the year. People smile at you more when you're in the shopping centre. They probably smile at you less in the car park. (laughs) But in the shopping centre, people generally smile at you more. And to be honest with you, in my role, in my job, it kind of freaks me out. Because I see these people in the shopping centre and they give me a smile and a wave and I'm going, have we met? (laughs) Do I actually know you? Have I forgotten? But generally speaking, we're in a season where more hospitality is shown. Have you ever thought about the words that sound like hospitality? Hospital, hotel, hospice. Because they're all words that come from the same root meaning. And they all come from the relationship between a guest and a host. When you go to a hospital, it's because you're sick. You are actually a guest, sort of. (laughs) And your hosts are there to help you get better. You go to a hospice, you get to stay somewhere. And the host is there to help you feel welcome. And when we extend hospitality, it's talking about that same relationship between a host and a guest. Now, the New Testament wasn't written in English. It was actually written in Greek. And one of the words, the Greek words, that actually gets translated into the word that we use as hospitality is the word philozenia. Say that fast three times. Philozenia. 
And quite literally, it's one word made up of two words. Philo is love. It's the brotherly love, the mateship that we have. Xenia quite literally means stranger, foreigner, or alien. So philozenia, or where we get hospitality from, is quite literally a love or a care for strangers. Now, when we had, when Greek was actually, Greek was actually the main language spoken around the world. Alexander the Great conquered the known world at the time. And so the known world at the time actually spoke Greek. And there was great respect for people who showed philozenia. Now, if you think about it, we're talking thousands of years ago. There's no Airbnb. There's no hotels combined. There's no Travago. There's no quickly grabbing Google to find where you're going to stay when you get to your next destination. So anyone who was actually travelling throughout the land was actually hoping for someone to show philozenia towards them. It was not uncommon for a traveller to rock up on the door of a friend of a friend of a friend and knock, hoping to be taken in for the night and to be fed. Now, times have certainly changed, and I'm not saying that we should just rock up on people's doorsteps, (laughs) knock on the door and expect to be invited in for the night and fed. However, I do think that it's time for us to embrace Christian hospitality again. Now, right now, I know that there are some people in this room that have already checked out. Hospitality, not doing that. Come on back. Come on back. Stay with me. It's actually not as hard as we've made it out to be. And we're going to get a little bit practical this morning. And we're going to talk about how we can practically extend hospitality to each other. Now, from the outset, I want you to know that hospitality is not something that comes natural to me. Have you ever been in a preach and someone might be talking about hospitality and they're a really hospitable person and you're sitting in the congregation going, yeah, but you're good at this. I want to tell you, this is actually not something that comes naturally. This is not something that I'm particularly good at but it's something that I've gotten better at as I've gotten intentional about what we're doing. See, some of you are there thinking right now, you know what, hospitality is a spiritual gift and I don't have it. (laughs) Me neither. It's not something that just oozes out of me. But just because you don't have the gift doesn't mean that you're not called to be hospitable. You know, wisdom is a spiritual gift. You may not have that gift, but that does not excuse you from being wise. Faith is a spiritual gift. Just because you might not have the gift of faith doesn't mean you don't have to exercise faith. Hospitality might be a spiritual gift, but it doesn't excuse you, if you don't have it, from not being hospitable. In actual fact... If hospitality isn't your natural gift and you 
exercise hospitality, you're actually making a greater sacrifice than those who do have the gift of hospitality. And one thing that I know is that God always blesses when we go outside of our comfort zone to do what he is calling us to do. You see, God always honours the sacrifice. I don't know about you, but when it comes to hospitality, there are things that go on in my head all the time that I need to fight. Oh, I'm too busy to do that. Really? Too busy doing what? Why is it that when we feel like we're too busy, it's church and other people that suffer because we choose not to step out and do what God is calling us to do? How about I'm an introvert, I don't do people? Um, I'm actually borderline introvert, extrovert. My wife is an introvert. It doesn't mean that we're not hospitable. What it means is that we need to plan downtime. It doesn't mean we don't do people. It just means we need to manage ourselves so that we can do people well. How about my home is my sanctuary? What, always and forever? Have you put walls around your home? Is there passport control around your home stopping people from ever getting in? Really? Or is it just an excuse that we use? Is in the back of our mind that statement linked somehow to us being a little bit selfish? Us holding part of ourselves back so that others can't come in. One thing I know, as long as you look for an excuse, you will find it. Can I ask you today, put the excuses aside. Let's ask the Holy Spirit just to come and to speak again to us. Let's allow the Holy Spirit access, not our excuses access. And let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us today in the area of hospitality. So how do we actually show hospitality? Well, first of all, it's through our open hearts. In Romans 12, verse 9 to 13, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. You see, hospitality actually starts in the heart. See, we talk about, you know, that verse talks about honouring one another, not be lacking in zeal being joyful in hope, patient in affliction. And hospitality is linked right there with all of those attitudes of the heart. Hospitality starts in the heart. Now, philozenia, that's the love of strangers. The opposite of philozenia is xenophobia. Philozenia, a love for strangers. Xenophobia. Fear of strangers, fear 
of foreigners. Now, if we set a scale up, one over here being a fear of foreigners, 10 over here being the love of strangers, where would you put yourself on the scale? When you meet someone new, is that someone else that just has the potential to break your heart? Fear of opening up? Or when we meet someone new, is that possibly, just possibly, someone who's going to be your very new best friend ever? Whereabouts do you put yourself on this scale, one to ten, between xenophobia or philozenia? Just think about that just for a moment. Because if you were to place yourself on the lower end of the scale, ask yourself why. Why do I actually feel this way? Why is there a fear inside of me to open up to someone else? You see, philozenia, xenophobia, it actually sounds like a bad medical condition, right? Gee, philozenia, I heard you got diagnosed. I'm sorry about that. I hope the doctor's going to be able to clear that up for you soon. (laughs) The reality is, is that they're not medical conditions. They're attitudes in our heart. And if it's an attitude in my heart, then I get to change the attitude. If I was going to put myself at the lower end of this spectrum, why? Oh, it's because I've been hurt too many times before. And because I've been hurt too many times before, I've built a wall around my heart. I'm not actually allowing anyone else in. But that's an attitude. I can choose to break down that wall. I can choose to remove it. I can choose to move myself up this scale so that I can show hospitality and truly show the philozenia that the Bible talks about. Well, that's all well and good. You can change, but why would you? How about because God's heart towards us is open? And when we open our heart to others, what we're doing is showing God's glory through us. You see, I don't know about you, but the gospel is described as the good news. How have we managed to water the good news down? You see, we are all quite literally in the same boat here. In Acts 1.8, Jesus is talking to his disciples just before they're going to get taken up to heaven. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're all in the same boat because we are the strangers. When you read the Bible, when Jesus says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Where is Adelaide in relation to Jerusalem? We are the ends of the earth. And when Jesus said that you will be my witnesses, it's because we were the strangers. And God, in his grace towards us, in his open heart towards us, the stranger, has brought us in. Paul in the New Testament talks about Jews and Gentiles. You know what? We're the Gentiles. 
We're the strangers. Paul also goes on in Romans to talk about we were enemies of God. And yet whilst we were enemies of God, Jesus Christ came to die for us. We are all the stranger. We're the enemy of God. And God opened his heart toward us. And so we can open our heart towards others. The second thing is that we need to have open hands. When I was growing up, my parents taught me if I was ever introduced to an adult, look them in the eye, introduce myself, shake their hand. And we've tried to do the same thing with our kids, although I must say, more success with some than others at the moment. If you ever meet Riley at the moment, he, you might see him in the cafe, he might look at you and go, eh, and walk away. I'm sorry, we're working on him. Bear with us. An open hand for the handshake actually dates back to about the 5th century BC. It's actually a sign of trust and of friendship. Why the right hand? Because most people are right-handed, which means their scabbard would be on their left. So to draw a sword, they would come from left to right. Why a handshake? Because it shows that you're unarmed. It shows that there's actually no hidden agenda. In actual fact, during the Roman era, it actually became more of a forearm grab to make sure that there's no knife or dagger hiding up the sleeve. Through the Middle Ages, it became more of a handshake rather than a handhold because people would shake the hand quite vigorously to make sure that anything up the sleeve <laughs> would fall out. Why the handshake? Because it's an open hand. It symbolises peace. It symbolises no hidden agenda. There's no threat. We're not trying to grab at anything. We need to have open hands when it comes to our hospitality. When we live with open hands, God can use our hands to pass blessing through. You see, God, without doubt, wants to bless us directly. And I've experienced some of God's direct blessing in my life. But more often, God's blessing to me has come through other people. And it's other people who have had open hands, allowing the blessing to flow through them. Not grab it for themselves. In 2 Corinthians 9, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You see, to live with open hands is to recognise that everything belongs to God anyway. And if everything belongs to him, then I'm just passing through 
whatever he chooses to give to me. Everything I own belongs to him. My house, my cars, my trailers, my gifts, my family, it all belongs to God. And because it all belongs to him, I can choose to serve God with my words. I can choose to serve God with my actions. And I can choose to serve God with my belongings. See, serving God with our belongings, serving God with our possessions shows that our possessions don't possess us. It allows God to open our worlds bigger as we share with everyone. And the third area today is open homes. Open hearts, open hands, open homes. In 1 Peter 4, it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Who's ever received hospitality with grumbling? I have. They're the people that invite you over to use their pool. Some are happy to get that invite, anyone just throwing it out there. They're the people that invite you over to use their pool, but they're more worried about the water coming out of the pool than you having fun. They're the people that say, hey, help yourself to the fridge. But as soon as you take two steps towards the fridge, you just feel behind you the glare and the frown starting to come on. They're the people who might greet you at the door and say, hey, makasa tsukasa, my home is your home. <coughs> but when you start to act like it's your home, all of a sudden, you realise it's not your home at all. You see, hospitality with grumbling is no hospitality at all. See, we've had the privilege, Kathy and I, of hosting some of our church guests over the last 12 months. And they come into our home. And you need to understand, our home is a nice home, but it's not the best home. It's not the flashest home. It's not in the nicest area. The backyard is really not good at the moment, but that's another matter. But I think this is where we actually go wrong. We actually make it about the home. And it's not. It's about the guest. And so, when we have people come over and stay in our home, we actually give them our bedroom, which has an ensuite bathroom to it. Oh, you're just trying to big note yourself, Ashley? No, 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 no. This is just me going, hey, this is what hospitality looks like. Because if I have a guest in my home, where possible, I don't want them using the same toilet as my children. It's not about the home, it's about the guest. And we can set them up in such a way that they have private space and their own bathroom so that they feel welcome. It's not about the home, it's about the thought we give to the guest so that they can have the best experience possible. See, one of the things that we do is that we confuse hospitality 
and entertaining. And the two are related, but they're very different. Jen Wilkin, who's a Christian author and writer for the Gospel Coalition, says, Entertaining involves setting the perfect tablescape with, after an exhaustive search on Pinterest. It chooses a menu that will impress and then frets its way through every stage of preparation. It requires every throw pillow to be in place, every cobweb to be eradicated, every child to be neat and orderly. It plans extra time to don the perfect outfit before the first guest touches the doorbell on the seasonally decorated doorstep. And should any element of the plan fall short, entertaining perceives the entire evening to have been tainted. Entertaining focuses attention on self. Hospitality involves setting a table that makes everyone feel comfortable. It chooses a menu that allows FaceTime with guests instead of being chained to the stovetop. It picks up the house to make things pleasant but doesn't feel the need to conceal evidences of everyday life. It sometimes sits down to dinner with flour in its hair. It allows the gathering to be shaped by the quality of the conversation rather than the cuisine. Hospitality shows interest in the thoughts, feelings, pursuits and preferences of its guests. It is good at asking questions and listening intently to answers. Hospitality focuses attention on others. I want to set you free today. We need to remove this performance mentality out of hospitality. Because hospitality isn't about you putting on the best. It's about sharing our lives together. We're far better off having peanut butter sandwiches sitting on the floor with a great conversation than sitting around a lavish meal effectively to ourselves. Let's make sure to this year, let's have open homes, but let's remove the pressure of having to entertain instead of having hospitality. In Hebrews 13, it says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. How cool would that be, hey? Having actual angels in your home. Just think about that for a moment. I'd love it if that was my children. <laughs> but actually having real angels in your home, just because you're willing to say yes, just because you're willing to open up your home and say, come on over and let's have some hospitality together. Most Bible scholars would say that the writer in Hebrews is actually referencing a passage way back in Genesis 18. And we're going to finish up today just having a look at that passage and some of the practical things that we can do to show hospitality to one another. In Genesis 18, one day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. 
Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honoured your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake some bread. Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. I've already said I don't have the gift of hospitality. This isn't something that comes naturally to me. But there are five things, five easy things in this passage that all of us can take away today and we can all start to implement. You see, the first thing that Abraham did was he saw them. You might look at me and go, well, of course he saw them, Ashley. He's sitting out the front of his tent. What else is he going to do? No, no, he saw them. He lifted his eyes. <coughs> he saw them. And when he saw them, he ran over to them. You see, what you see determines your actions. And likewise, what you don't see causes no action. Again, my children are copying a bit of a rap today, aren't they? But this is something that my children are really good at, not seeing. If you don't see the toys all over the floor, you don't have to do anything about it. If you don't see your laundry basket overflowing, you don't have to do the washing. If you don't see the dog poo in the backyard, then you don't have to deal with it. But Abraham saw his guests. My question this morning, and I mean this without wanting to bring any condemnation at all. What did you see this morning as you came to church? Did you see some rubbish in the car park? Did you see the single mum herding her children, carrying all the stuff needed for the day? Did you see the couple in the cafe sitting by themselves? Because if we see it, we can do something about it. And again, no condemnation whatsoever. This is no, by no means a guilt trip, but hospitality starts by seeing. And when we see it, let's do something about it. Abraham welcomed his guests. Bowing low to the ground, saying, my Lord. Now, Abraham was a wealthy man. Abraham had large herds. Abraham was sitting in front of his home, his tent. And yet, when he saw them, Scripture actually says he ran to them. Now, we, we just dismiss that. But actually running in Abraham's culture was actually really undignified you see again clothing wise they wore a long tunic and to actually run often meant they had to hitch up the tunic and show the legs and showing legs in Abraham's culture 
was undignified. Abraham wasn't concerned about himself. He wasn't concerned about how he was going to look. He ran to his guests to welcome them. See, for Abraham, there was no pretense. There was no sense of entitlement. Hey, this is my tent. You come and see me. No, Abraham was all about making his guests feel welcome. You know, if you're visiting here today, or if you've visited a few times but haven't really connected, we're so glad you came. We want to make you feel welcome. It's why we have people with Here to Help shirts on. Because it's how we can best help our guests. And if you are new here today, you'll see just out in the cafe space some banners here to help. We'd love for you to come over. We'd love to be able to host you in our welcome lounge. We'd love to be able to get a coffee or a cold drink, whatever, just so that we have the opportunity to get to know you and to welcome you today. The third thing that I see is that Abraham gave them the best seat. For those who call victory home, who's sitting in the same section today that they sat in last week? Who's sitting in the same row? Who's sitting in the same seat? You see, we're creatures of habit. We like things to be the same. Who actually gets a little bit ticked when there's someone else in your seat? In church. And yet, that's not the picture that we see Abraham with here today. Abraham was sitting in front of his tent. But when the people came, when his visitors arrived, when his guests were there, he moved. And he seated his guests under a tree. The coolest place that he would have had at the time. You see, I know in our culture... The seat that we want, the best seat, is we always want it for ourselves. If we go to a concert or a sporting event, we don't want to be in the nosebleed section. If you have to travel economy on an airplane, you try to get the exit row if possible just to get those few centimetres of extra legroom. I've seen people run into church to save their seat. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But let's be prepared to give the best seat up to our guests. The fourth thing, Abraham refreshed them. Abraham tended to their immediate need. He brought water to wash their feet. They'd been walking through a desert wearing sandals. Just imagine that. Men with sweaty feet in the dirt. Abraham tended to their immediate need with water to wash their feet. And he also provided a meal for them so that they could be refreshed to move on. But beyond that, Abraham actually tended to their future needs as well because the meal that he prepared was enough for them to carry extra provisions for their journey. Abraham refreshed his guests by tending to their needs and finally as the rest of our band comes the very last part of the passage says that Abraham served them it says that as they ate Abraham waited on them 
Again, Abraham was a wealthy man. He had servants that could have waited on them. Abraham could have sat down with his guests and made his servants serve him as well. But that wasn't Abraham. Abraham didn't want to make it about him. He wanted to make it about his guests. Five quick, simple things that all of us can implement today. In conclusion, church, can I encourage you today, for 2019, let's deck the halls of our lives with hospitality. Let's live openly, open hearts, open hands, open homes, because it reflects the very character of God. And practically, of those five things, whatever it is that you can implement today, let's take our next step together. Because I know that as individuals, when we take our next step, corporately, Victory Church gets better. And so let's do all we can to extend hospitality today. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 